Goliath is some piece of work, all right. The Illuminati will be pleased, Mr. Bluestone. You make an excellent Judas. It's a gift. That proved this all-powerful Illuminati society of yours really exists. <laughs> Let me guess. The Illuminati. Hello guys, this is Sapphire Morrisar. Welcome to episode 6 of Nerd Speak titled Secret Societies. So what exactly is a secret society? Well, a secret society is a club and organization whose actions, events, their inner functions, and or memberships is concealed from the public. Meaning that a person you may know, like say your father or a police officer or a doctor, a lawyer, or a member of Congress or the president himself can be a member of these secret societies and we wouldn't know because we don't know their membership, you know. And so a list of here is just some famous secret societies. You may have heard of these, whether you play a video game, um, you probably heard them being referenced in a song that you like, um, a movie or a book you may have read. So here's just some of the famous ones that people pretty much really have heard of. Freemasons, Skull and Bones, Knights Templar, and of course the Illuminati. So, as we dive into the secret society thing, and it's just really been on my mind lately because I've, I normally like to roam the net and just look and read different people's blogs on various subjects and the ones the ones I have been reading of late have all been involving, you know, this whole secret society thing, you know. So I just found it very interesting. And not only that, but I do own a couple of books about, you know, um secret symbols and actually one that's actually of is um encyclopedias actually. One is of secret signs and symbols and the other is of secret societies. I I figured, you know, why not do like a podcast episode of it, you know? It's just, you know, something that that interests me, you know. So, stay tuned as we delve more into the terms of secret societies and most most importantly, its effect on popular culture. Really well now, but didn't you release a CD like almost ten years ago? Um, yeah, I mean, I released a gospel record when I was fifteen um, because I grew up in. Uh, you know, a household where all I ever did was listen to gospel music and my parents are both traveling ministers and so I kind of sang about, you know, what was going on in my life at 15 and that's how I got introduced to the music industry. I swear I wanted to be like the Amy Grant of music, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't work out and so I sold my soul to the devil. Sold my soul to the devil. So, continuing with our secret society discussion. When it comes to modern-day pop culture, um, as of late, as I've told you in the first segment, I've been, you know, searching internet and just reading various blogs or watching various YouTube videos, and, you know, there's always a group of people that are, they're well in their belief that our society is being run by a secret organization, and that actually many of the celebs that we uh, follow on both actors and musicians and um, entertainers and sports players, pretty much any everybody who's in Hollywood, essentially, are puppets of this grand plan of secrets, um, these, the, of, who, who are puppets of this society 
who whose main and sole purpose is to implement their devious schemes upon the mass, which is us. So, some well-known theorists, theorist, I hope I pronounced that right, theorist, <laughs> that you probably may have heard of or probably, you know, seen their names floating around or maybe you had a friend that mentioned them, that has mentioned their name. Um, you have Mark Dice, um, Alex Jones. Um, I believe you can buy, find both Mark Dice and Alex Jones on YouTube, and I believe they also have their own personal website. Um, there's also the Vigilant Citizen. That's a blog I normally I normally frequent frequent on that just to see you know what latest thing he has written. There's also the Vigilant Christian. He's mostly on YouTube, I believe. Um, there's also a call from Uprising, which is also on YouTube. Spy Kitten, which is also on YouTube, and Beginning and End is actually a blog. And when it comes to these theorists, some of the main theories that they mostly discuss are of course the new world order um mk ultra um the antichrist slash satanism and of course um false flag ops now when it comes to mk ultra the antichrist slash satanism and false flag ops those actually actually fall under of the umbrella of the whole new world order concept so basically it is basically the new world order is supposed to be you have the secret society and their plan is to enact a one-world government over the United, over the entire world. Have every country under one government, one rule, and also to have one currency that we all use. You know, under this whole world-world government, one-world religion, which is supposed to be us embracing, getting us prepared to leave, to stray from God, basically. You know, the um, judo, the judo Christian God. You know, God, Jesus. You know, that whole thing. To stray from his his light and become we all in, essentially worship the antichrist or and you know and Satan himself you know sort of preparing the world for Satan and antichrist basically <laughs> and when you think when you, when you hear it, the way it sounds it sounds sort of ridiculous but this is what they believe is it is hap- this is what they believe is actually happening to our society. Um, and then, of course, you have the um, the MK Ultra thing, which you, I believe many have shown actual FBI files of MK Ultra, which is essentially sort of a brainwashing program. Um, think of the movie, um, what's the one? Jason Bourne, you know that movie. I think it was something similar to that. So MK Ultra, they normally say um, this actually is used on many entertainers that we listen to. Some notable entertainers would be um, like Beyonce. Um, Lady Gaga, um, Taylor Swift, uh, who else? Um, Madonna, Britney Spears, and they, um, Katy Perry, um, Adam Lambert. Um, I'm not sure if they ever noticed anything about Bruno Mars, but majority of our rappers, you know, um, I cannot think of any of these new rappers' name. Like, I know all of them, like, I like Lil and their name stuff. And even the emerging even with the emerging rise of K-pop in America, that's also they also say K-pop has a lot to do with MK Ultra as well. And even some famous YouTubers apparently have now joined this secret society and they're using their channel to brainwash the youth to prepare for the Antichrist. Like seriously, when you when you when you just read it or hear them say it, it just sounds like mm. 
But a lot of times they use, in order to back up their facts, they use, essentially, they break down um, a lot of these songs, the lyrics that um, slabs use, uh, or they break down their music video to explain the imagery, imagery that they're using in their videos. And it's just like, like a lot of the imagery and, and stuff that you, that, that they, they use as proof of this secret society, which is essentially the Illuminati, is essentially like, you could probably find these things anywhere. And I think if you look hard enough, you could probably find evil and everything. Same thing, if you look hard enough, you could probably find good and everything. It's just, I guess, your perception of what you want to see, I guess, you know, is your perception of how you see everything. So tune in for the next segment and I will be breaking down some of these um, symbols of these secret societies. Hello guys, Sapphire Morningstar here again. And this time continuing with our secret societies podcast. I will be discussing about some of the common symbols, colors, and numbers that are constantly used by conspiracy theorists to pretty much prove or is used as evidence that there's some sort of secret shady stuff going on with our government that, 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 that this new world order, that this Illuminati, I don't know why I like saying it like that, Illuminati, I, I feel like it sounds more important when you say it like that with the accent, Illuminati is, you know, doing some shady shit to our people in America, and not only America, but all over the globe, so. One of the first common symbols that's normally, well, not symbols, but colors that's normally found within this evidence is the color black. Now, according to my encyclopedia of secret signs and symbols from A to Z, black symbolism meaning is, is usually reference to night, the absence of light, warning, sobriety, denial, authority, perfectionism, purity, maturity, and wisdom. I bet you never thought about the color black like that. I'm like, hmm, that is interesting. But although, it says, although it is opposite of white, both shades are in fact due to an absence of color. And technically speaking, black is not a color at all. This doesn't stop it having a wealth of symbolic meaning. Black often has negative connotations for the reason that it is the color of the night or the absence of light. It doesn't require a great leap of imagination to extend this light slash dark symbolism, day and night symbolism to good and bad. A fundamental natural occurrence to do with the orbit of the sun around the, the orbit of the earth around the sun. Therefore, it has far reaching consequences resulting in fear racism, superstition, and bigotry, which even continues today simply because of skin color. In the West, black is the color of mourning and funerals, because when, when somebody passes away, we typically, typically, you know, we go, you know, we wear black to a funeral. In some cultures, white is used in this context, in which case it carries the idea of rebirth. Black, however, is not so sanguine. It is final, conclusive, the denial of life. Despite the mirthless sobriety of black, it depends on how you wear it. The new black is a term applied to anything that is in vogue. Since black is also somehow dangerous and sexy, 
as well as practical practical therefore always fashionable as a color you know how like you always have to say like oh me and my little black dress like everyone apparently has a little black dress that she wears that's that's classy yet sexy you know that gives her a nice little femme to tell look i guess you could say despite the mer- yeah i read that already okay the black sheep of the family refers to the one who is a bit of a scoundrel and the black dog also means depression Conversely, a black cat is a very un- a very lucky symbol in the UK and other parts of the world, but in our in our side of the globe, black cat usually refers to you know um, unluckiness. Uh, it has connotations to witches, you know. Um, a person who holds a black belt in any of the martial arts is considered to be at the pinnacle of their abilities. And indeed, in Japan, black is the color of wisdom experience and maturity in this instance black is a color of perfection an idea shared by cathars who also saw black as a symbol of completion and purity black is a secretive mysterious mysterious color and used as such in rite and ritual a polished black mirror provides a perfect glossy surface for scrying or seeing into the future now that is the color black and what has been symbolized you know it's symbolism across, you know, not only the West, but of course, other parts of the globe. And now another color that's normally used is usually the color red, that we all that we also can't, that's also used as evidence of like rituals that have been shown to the masses via performances, you know, by celebrities like Taylor Swift or Lady Gaga's, um, you know, her MTV performance when she did um, paparazzi. So here we go with red. Symbolic meaning, vitality, life force, fire, the sun, the south, blood, good luck and prosperity, power and authority, masculine energy, war and anger, passion, energy and sexuality. One of the three primary colors, bright red pops out, pops out of whatever environment it happens to be in and grabs our attention more than any other color. Moreover, it's the first actual color that is seen by babies. Now, that I did not know. That is very interesting. Huh, so red is the first color the babies see. Now, that is interesting. That is very interesting. Because it has a lower vibrational frequency than any other color in our visible spectrum, it is associated with the base chakra and symbolizes passion, sexuality, fertility, and animal urges. Red light districts are so-called because of the dim red shades of the prostitutes' quarters. So again, that would be also, as they said, the dim lights of the prostitutes' quarters, and also because they're prostitutes, they're basically sexuality, the whole thing. Red is the color of blood, which means that it is associated with the life forces and vitality. Hunters daub themselves in red blood of the kill, which they believe will give them the empathy with the spirit of the animal. Red is also the color of fire, the sun, and the southern direction. The word for magic in German is directly linked to the word for red ocher. A recent archaeologist discovered archaeology discovery provided unusual evidence of the reverence in which the color was held by early man. Lumps of red ocher, as well as tools stained with the substance, were found in early graves in an Israeli cave, indicating that indicating its importance as a symbol of vitality, life, and resurrection. Pure colors used to be very difficult and expensive to produce. 
And so red cloth was used by people in positions of power to assess the monarchy and the clergy. Um, if you if you actually think about it, when you look at the cardinals uh, within, you know, the, the you know, the church, all the cardinals were red. But the um, the Byzantine emperors were dressed were dressed from head to foot in red in Rome. Red was the color of the nobles and the generals and the Holy Roman Church, as I said before, still dresses its cardinals in pure bright red cardinal red to roll out the red carpet for someone is to honor their presence. Red is the color of protection and has been viewed as such for at least the last 2000 years. Amulets made from rubies or garnets were far more valuable than any other kind. So I guess diamonds ain't really a girl's best friend. And able to make the wearer, the wearer invincible. And how about the red planet? Mars. Mars has a has a preponderance of iron oxide in its soil, giving it red appearance that is clearly visible to the naked eye. This color is partially responsible for its association with war and warriors, because Mars is the name of the Roman god of war, as an Aries. My sign is associated with the color fire, the soul that's red, and of course the planet Mars, which the whole war thing. In India and China, red is the traditional color for weddings. Indian brides wear saris of red or pink, and the Chinese happy couple will be surrounded by a veritable sea of red clothing, souvenirs, and gifts. Even the home of the bride and groom are decorated with red banners and ribbons. Roman brides too favored red for their wedding veil, which was called a flamunin. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it all the way wrong. This tradition is shared by modern Greek brides. In ancient Egypt, red was synonymous with, synonymous with evil because it was the color of the god Seth, who haunted the arid desert places, the personification of destruction. Seth was called the red god in an Egyptian charm of the time goes like this O Iris deliver O Isis deliver me from the hands of bad evil red things similarly in Christ similarly in Christian symbolism the devil is sometimes depicted as a red creature you know the horns the red body hoof feet um, I guess a good kind of this good a description would probably be if you ever watched the Powerpuff Girls you had the character him who is clearly supposed to be a devil-like character given the fact that he's red He's referred to as him, but you can also see um, his character, I guess you could say, as a transsexual, I guess you would say, because it's clearly a man, but he wears a corset, a tutu, and he has high heel shoes, and he has lobster claws, and he always talks in his sweet voice, oh, power puff girls, and then when he gets really angry, he becomes a very more deep masculine, but power puff girls, you know, you know like that uh, granted my it, you know, my uh, my my version of his voice is terrible so in alchemy oh hell like Seth he also has a predilection for scorched places in alchemy the red stone is mercury mercuric sulfide a compound of sulfur and mercury that is also called vermilion oh see I love learning new stuff every day the creation of vermilion was a very important primary stage in the process of making the philosopher's stone. Ooh. 
which itself disguised as the red lion since this exclusive substance was characterized by turning red in its final stage. And that is all for red and the final color that is primarily used as evidence is the color white. So white, symbolic meanings is purity, virginity, death and rebirth, a beginning and end and in the far east, mourning. White is both the absence of any color and the sum of all colors together. So in a sense, it can mean everything or nothing. This combination of all colors has given white the name of the many colored lotus in Buddhist teachings. Probably the most telling of both ends of white symbolic spectrum are reflected in its association with purity and a fresh start as worn by brides in the, West, in the Western tradition as an optimistic sign of your virginity. And I'll actually probably be doing a thing on weddings too, because I looked at a bunch of histories on the, you know, history of weddings and the symbolic meaning, symbolic meanings of weddings, and a lot of the symbolism that is, a lot of things that we do traditionally in weddings is actually all tied to basically the man taking the virginity of the bride. I did not know that so many things in a wedding meant that one thing, like OMG. And as well, and as the color of the morning in the east, a use that, that didn't make no sense. This is a real typo, grammar typo. In the east, it used to be common in Europe too. Cadavers all over the world are still wrapped in white shrouds. As death precedes birth, the white here has an optimistic meaning, since in this instance, white symbolizes, I am having issues today pronouncing words symbol symbolizes rebirth <laughs> white is also used to denote initiation another form of rebirth children were white at their first communion and in africa boys smear their bodies with white paste after circumcision to show that they are apart from the main their main society for a time when they recenter when they re-enter it as men their bodies are painted red white is the color of expectation and contains all the potentials of the blank canvas the pristine glory of a fresh fall of snow makes the world look clean and pure, but white shows up every mark, hence its, un- hence its usefulness in hospitals and other clinical environments. White is a symbol of peace, and the white flag is a universal sign of submission and surrender. However, the white feather is a sign of cowardice. This originates in the days of cockfighting when a bird with a white feather in its tail was believed to be a poor fighter. The potency of this particular white symbol is such that just after the Second World War, an order of the white feather was started as a method of goading men into joining the army. Women folk were encouraged to hand the white feather of cowardice to any man not wearing a uniform. Well, damn, ain't that a bitch. Like, maybe he didn't want to lose his life fighting for something he probably didn't believe in. I don't think that makes you a coward, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that makes you a coward. You know, maybe you just ain't want to lose your life that day, you know? You know, you probably had kids at home. And you were just like, man, I don't feel like dying today. I just don't feel like dying today. I just don't feel like dying. I just don't feel like dying today. I just don't feel like dying. So that is all in terms of the colors. Next segment, I will be getting some some more into more into like symbols, like the cross, the pentagram, you know those fun little things. So stay tuned for the next segment. Bye.
Oh guys, I'm going to have me over the next sem- segment discussing more symbols and meanings, colors, and numbers, all that beautiful jazz. Next, I will be talking about the inf- inverted cross. Now, many, when you come think of the inverted cross, you automatically think Satan. Because, you know, primary is used in, well, horror movies. You know, and, what can I say? It, when you do see that thing, it kind of it does kind of freak you out because it has pretty much been ingrained in your subconscious mind to associate the inverted cross with the devil. So, here we go. The upside down crucifix or cross of Saint Peter has become a sinister symbol purportedly belonging to Satanists, whose penchant for rever- reversing certain aspects of the Christian faith, such as the Mass and the Lord's Prayer, is well documented. In horror movies, the inverted cross represents the devil. However, the inverted cross originated as a type of cross upon which St. Peter chose to be executed since, like St. Andrew, he felt unworthy of being crucified on the same type of cross as Christ. Devout Catholics view this particular cross as a sign of deep humility. and unworthiness in the sight of the Messiah. The Pope is said to be the successor of St. Peter and so logically has been photographed with this type of cross in the background, giving rise to the historical conspiracy theories about the satanic influences within the Catholic Church. Now that I did not know, but okay, you know, some people have to do that. I mean, you seriously got to love how much the human mind we come up with all these ideas of what's going on in our society is just it's just amazing how creative the mind is and now we will discuss the latin cross the latin cross or christian cross is a typical cross shape that is the majority symbol of christianity no matter what form the faith takes when the body of christ appears on the cross it is then become it then becomes a crucifix such has been the impact of the symbol on the religion that its major places of worship are built in the shape of a cross as seen from above. Now that would be something to look up. I'm about to look that up later. Let me see if it's actually true. The Latin cross is symbolic of the victory of life over death and in a happy coincidence. The benediction made when the sign of the cross is drawn in the air not only indicates the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but coincides with a much earlier use of the cross as a symbol of protection. The Christian cross as we know it today was not always the symbol of the church, and it may not even be the case that Christ was crucified on this sort of cross. Accounts vary, but a tile cross, a simple straight beam, or perhaps even a living tree might have been used. Logic dictates that because it was used as a particularly gruesome torture implement, this kind of cross would not have been an encouraging symbol for what was then a new religion. Which kind of makes sense. It's like, you see a dude get, you know, crucified. Do you really kind of want to wear that around your neck? Or use it or put that up in your house? It, it really makes you think, you know? The Chiro or La Brom, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing all the strong, was used instead, but by the 3rd century, the cross had been accepted. The form of the cross itself holds an intriguing hitting secret. If its measurements are drawn correctly, that is four square parts in the vertical to, thro- to, to three square parts in the horizontal, making six parts in total since the square that links the upright and the cross part can be shared by both, then this shape can be folded into a neat cube. Oh, don't you love math? Furthermore, other geometric shapes can be made from this versatile cross if diagonal folds are included. The Freemasons have explored some of these shapes. 
And next, we will talk about the Leviathan cross. Now, um, let's see, what will you have seen this cross before? Well, something that's in modern cross, you would have seen this cross. I think you probably see it, seen it in blood rain stuff as you deal with vampires. I think you can normally see a symbol that looks like this, but um, I can't think of anywhere else. So. The Leviathan cross is also referred to as the crux satana, which since it was adopted by Anton Lave as a symbol for his church of Satan. However, there is no record of this particular cross having any other satanic connections prior to this. The cross was used by the Knights Templar and the Cathars. In alchemy, the Leviathan cross is the symbol for sulfur, which is one of the three essential elements of nature along with salt and mercury, aka quicksilver. The symbol itself is quite elaborate. There are two bars on the upper right part of the cross, symbolizing double protection and a balance between male and female. At the bottom of the cross is the infinity sign or lemmiscate, which also becomes the double ouroboros. The cross also carries phallic connotations. So isn't that interesting to know? It's just like when you start reading about the symbols of everything, you you realize so much and you kind of realize that what you're fed through media when you don't read for yourself is just just half of the story, you know? Next, I will discuss the Mark of the Beast. Created by the infamous ritual magician Alistair Crowley, the self-styled Great Beast, the Mark of the Beast, became effectively effectively his own personal sign is cleverly combines the ancient sun sign the circle with the dot with the emblem of the crescent moon all comprised of three overlapping circles it does not need an expert in hitting signs to be able to discern the overall image created which reveals crawley's overarching fascination with sex magic that's good to learn all these beautiful things like if you have not i don't know if you because when i got this book i got it in walmart it was like i think it was like four books total i don't know if they still sell it but it's just you know interest it's just when you start reading like ever since i started looking up symbols and stuff because you know of what so much you hear in the movies and stuff. It's like, you just want to find out for yourself. And once you start reading, you be like, dang, as human beings, we give so much power to symbols and colors that if we didn't give them these meanings or these symbols, they would they would literally have no power. I think, as human beings, we don't understand how much power we give to just a simple little symbol that we drew on a piece of paper or to some colors or to some numbers. Like, we give the power to these things. We, as human beings, we give the power. If we stop believing that this means such and such and this means such and such, guess what? They will have no power. It, it, what, what, what's it going to do? Nothing. So, the peace sign. This circular sign with its upside down fork cross shape is ubiquitous as a peace sign and specifically as a symbol for the campaign of nuclear disarmament. Although the sign is not strictly secret or particularly sacred, it is a good example of how a sign is designed and how the elements of symbols can be misinterpreted. Some evangelical Christians have supposed that the cross-type symbol inside the, inside the circle is a nod to the cross that was used for upside-down crucifixion at the hands of Emperor Nero, called the Cross of Nero or the Cross of St. Peter. 
This particular cross has some unfortunate connotations of Satanism because of their reported penchant for turning Christian symbols or prayers back to the front or upside down. The cross shape also resembles a particular runic symbol that is used by some neo-Nazi groups. Although here again, there is a gross misunderstanding. The symbol actually means elk, a creature that has no shady symbolic meaning whatsoever. However, this was misinterpreted as meaning life. Therefore, if inverted, it should, if inverted, it should in theory mean death. All the neo-Nazis got their pains was, for their pains was an inverted elk, which is more comic than sinister. The actual invention of the symbol has a very simple story. Gerald Holtom, instrumental in the campaign for the nuclear disarmament, created it, a Christian. Gerald originally used the Christian cross within a circle, but there were objections from parties who felt that this could be misinterpreted or might alienate some parties. So Holtom thought about the shape of a human being in despair with arms outstretched downwards in a pleading gesture, and the sign was born. Although it started out being the emblem of the CND movement, the symbol is now universally accepted as a sign of peace. The pentacle. Sometimes there is confusion between the pentacle and the pentagram. For the record, the pentagram is a five-pointed star symbol, whereas the pentacle is a more generic term for a mystical or magical symbol. See? Knowledge is power, people. It is likely that the word pentacle originates from the Latin root pen to hang, hence pendant. A pentacle is often designed to hang around the neck. The pentacle can be made of any material, although Trifemius, a 15th century century abult with a great knowledge of the occult, recommended virgin parchment or a square plate of silver. Various symbols and signs that are appropriate for its intended use are then drawn or engraved on the pentacle, including the the signs belonging to the forces or spirits that the magician decides to invoke. Sometimes the reverse of the pentacle features the seal of Solomon, adding even more magical kudos to the object. For more complex magical endeavors, such as raising spirits, a series of powerful pentacles are designed, which the adept reveals one at a time to the spirits in question until the object of the exercise is accomplished, at which point the pentacles are all covered up again. Now, a pentagram. It is possible that the pentagram was discovered very early by very early astronomical research in the Tigris-Euphrates area some 6,000 years ago. Archaeologists have found fragments of pottery with the symbol dating back to 4,000 years ago, but it was the, but it was Pyth- Pythagoras. I hate that freaking. I, you know, I still freak, know that freaking theorem, the Pythagoras theorem, but yet I can't. But I have not used at any point in my life. But you had to know it in high school. Ugh. Who really brought the five-pointed star to the prominent position it holds today? If an apple is cut in half across the equ- across its equator. Then the pattern of the seeds is revealed a perfect five-pointed star or pentagram. The The repercussions of this hidden magical symbol are far-reaching. Five five comprise of the feminine number two, and the masculine number three is the number of harmony. Of the union of opposites, for example, in sexual congress and of marriage. It is also the number of humankind because of the five points of extremities of the human body. When Eve gave Adam the apple of knowledge in the Garden of Eden, therefore it was not just a piece of fruit she was offering him, but a potent symbol of wisdom. 
Eating the fruit that contains the pentagram resulted in a profound awakening for Adam and Eve. They became not only aware of their own sexual natures, but they realized they could make their own choices. Not only is the pentagram a symbol of power, but is imbued with a actual power and is used in spell casting and in the revelation of secrets. The pentagram is either pentagonal or star-shaped. The earliest representations of it appear scratched on the walls of caves and is understandable that the ancient man would have nature would have a natural and automatic reverence for the stars. This is as relevant today as it was then. The ubiquity of this sign can't be stressed enough. It is associated not only with pagan practice, but also with Christian mysticism, druidry, magic, sacred geometry, alchemy, and the Kabbalah. It appears in the Torah, the tarot cards, you know, the tarot, where it can represent the suit of coins and is an important symbol in Freemasonry, where it is called the Blazing Star. One instance of its use was as a secret symbol whereby followers of Pythagoras could recognize one another since, as Adam had discovered, it was the key to higher knowledge. Pythagoras held that five was the number of man because of both the division of the soul and of the body into five parts each. Further, the five points of the pentagram represent the five the, the, um, represent the elements: earth, air, fire, and water, and the psyche, or in other, or ether in the Eastern traditions. The followers would describe the sign of the pentagram upon themselves in exactly the same way as pagan people do. It is used as a sign of protection in much the same way that the Christians use the Latin cross. If you want to try it, here's how: the sign starts at the left breast, then goes to the forehead, and then to the right breast. Then to the left shoulder, followed back by the right shoulder, and back again to the left breast. Pegathorians would accompany this with a greeting of good health, because another hitting meaning within the within the pentagram is that the initials of the five elements, which each of the points represented, were an anagram for the name of the goddess of healing, Hygeria. In the Kabbalah, the pentagram represents the upper five Sephiroth of the tree the, on the tree of life which qualities are justice, mercy, wisdom, understanding, and transcendent splendor. Freemasonry draws upon much of the Pagathurian symbolism of the pentagram, although it is also seen as a reminder that Christ was spirit descended into matter and as such represents the star of Bethlehem. The inverted pentagram has been accorded a more sinister interpretation than it was ever intended. Up until relatively recently, it didn't seem to matter which way the star landed. After all, this symbol is like the circle that it has no beginning and no end. However, the symbol of Baphomet makes use of the upside-down pentagram. The pentagram is the sign of Venus, both the planet known as the morning star and the goddess. Over the course of four, four years and one day, the planet describes the shape of a pentagram in the sky. Uniquely, Venus is the only planet whose movements trace such a graphically recognizable symbol, a secret sign written in the sky. Now, I think that's quite interesting that the planet actually makes this pattern in the sky. And the the fact that, you know, they was able, our ancestors were able to tell that Venus was making this in the sign, and they didn't have any micro, they didn't have the stuff that we have today, but... The stuff that they knew back then, we we demonize today. Like our ancestors, probably in their graves, like my children. <laughs> you have you've been so far lost. <laughs>
now I'm um, gonna discuss the red string. Now I've been seeing this a lot lately about the red string is all supposed to be a sign of who or which celebrity is in like this shady stuff. So I'm like, oh my god, whatever. You may spot someone wearing a piece of red thread or string along around the left wrist. This symbol will tell you that you are looking at someone who follows the teachings of the Kabbalah, an esoteric form of Jewish mysticism. The red string itself is to say protect to, is said to protect the wearer from the evil eye or from others' envy. The red string itself is an assuming item and reminds the wearer of our humble origins and that we are hum- and that to be human is to be valuable. It is worn on the left side of the body, since this is the side that is believed to receive energy first. The red string is tied around the tomb of Rachel, the greatest Jewish matriarch. This string is then cut up and given as amulets. Each string is tied with seven knots. As each knot is tied, it is a reminder to the wearer to refrain from thinking negative thoughts about others. As a charm, it is full of positive intentions. Although the piece of red string is as humble an object as its symbolic meaning, it is ironic that some people choose to pay a lot of money for one. I know, right? All things we pay money for is ridiculous. Mm-mm-mm. But I am really hoping you guys are like finding all this interesting. Like I am, like it's just like so much that you, we just we just assume is evil. And you go into reading the origins, you be like, well, it's because it's just because again we just changed the meaning over time. Like the swastika, originally the swastika was a non-symbol, you know, meaning whatever it meant. Because you give it to Nazis, and now every time people see it, it's, oh my god, it's evil, it's racist, it's symbol for the Nazis, you know, white superiority, and historically, that's not what it meant. So, again, as I said before, we as human beings, we give these things power. We take away that power, it means nothing. The signal, the sigil of Lucifer, dating back to the 16th century Italian grimoire called the Grimorium Vernum or the Grimoire of Truth. The sigil, the sigil, is part of a set of secret signs which are said to help in to help in invoking Lucifer. The origins of the sign have been lost in the midst of time, although the pointed B shapes do represent the horns, which are a telltale symbol of anything devilish. Skull and crossbones. A grinning skull sits above two bones which are crossed diagonally. At first, this might seem almost like one of those everyday symbols we take for granted, but another look at the skull and crossbones make it, make, makes it start to seem very peculiar. We recognize it primarily in this form as the Jolly Roger, the wickedly grinning skull with the crossbones underneath, which is the universal emblem of the pirate. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. But where did the symbol originate? As with many of these signs, the history of the skull and crossbones is shrouded in mystery. We know that it's very old. It has been used over the entrances to Spanish cemeteries and graves for centuries. And as a symbol of death, it has no rival. Indeed, it has become the universal acknowledged symbol for poison. Oh, it's, it's your head. Like, if you go to, um, like, if you work in any sort of, um, business, whether it's a hospital, uh, fast food restaurant whatever we have we have the chemicals you have to make sure your chemicals are correct you have to make sure you know they haven't mixed with anything especially in a fast food um restaurant make sure it's not being any put in food you'll see that symbol on on it or if you're watching cartoons understand that it's poison they put that that little symbol on there so that's pretty much true 
It seems that the Knights Templar and the Freemasons may hold the key to the inner meaning of this symbol. The Jolly Roger started his life as the Jolly Rose, the name given by the French branch of the Templars to the flag flown by the warrior ships, and which was later adopted by pirates. In Freemasonry, the symbol is repeated six times on a tracing board which is spread on the floor of the Templar temple prior to any rituals. Here, the skull and bones represents both death and life. By analyzing the symbol, we see that the crossbones form a saltar, a diagonal cross which is a symbolic of evolutionary change. So the symbol of death in the form of the skull is given another aspect, that of hope, progress, and reincarnation, and of life after death. It comes as no surprise knowing this that the Templars would bury their dead with the legs removed from the body and placed in the shape of a cross. Don't you just love all this knowledge? Because knowledge is power. The United States dollar bill, y'all. Dollar bill, y'all. If you ever find yourself hanging around in an, in an airport, say at a loose end, then get a hold of a dollar bill and have a close look. It is so crammed full of arcane imagery that a close scrutiny of it will pass the time as effectively as the most gripping novel. It is a wonderful example of symbolism in action and shows how powerful these ancient magical symbols still resonate in the modern world. Although this, the design of the symbol has changed several times, some elements have remained constant. Here then are those magical symbols. On the reverse of the dollar bill, the most notable emblem is that of the Great Seal of the United States. This takes the form of a pyramid with its cap severed, severed and replaced by a triangle with an eye inside. This is the all-seeing eye. This symbol has been, has been associated with the Illuminati and with Freemasonry, and, get, and its appearance on the dollar bill has given rise to, the, to all sorts of conspiracies. The phrase Anut Coptus, which is written around the top of the seal, translate at, translates as, We favor the things which have begun and indicates that there is work yet to be done. The banner around the bottom of the seal reads Novus Ordo Seclorum, which means roughly a new order of the ages. Although Latin is not actually understood by many people and is officially designated a dead language, the use of Latin is a secret sign in itself and lends gravity to the statement, relying on the youth of the American nations whose declarations of independence were signed in 1776. Although featured on the dollar is the bald eagle, which is the official bird symbol of the United States. The eagle holds the olive branch of peace in its right talon, but it is prepared to fight too as indicated by the arrows in its claws. There are 13 fruits in the olive branch, perfectly balanced by the 13 arrows. It is worth noting that, that here, the covet bird symbol of America is the dove. Aptly, the Latin name for the dove is Columba. The dove, the dove is a symbol of the dove is a symbol of peace and conciliation, and so provides a nice counterbalance to the eagle, although it does not actually appear on the dollar. Another bird appears on a dollar too, but it's hard to find. An owl, a symbol of wisdom, is supposed to appear above the note. Above the eagle is a crown of stars, again, 13 in total. This represents the number of the states that first joined the Union. The stars can be joined to create Solomon's seal, one of the most powerful of all symbols. That the stars combine to create another symbol is a clever nod to the phrase which streams along on a banner underneath, E Pluribus Unum, which means out of many comes one, and refers to the many states that make one union. Like, I'm pretty sure there's going to probably be some people that um, listen to this 
to this podcast and be like, I'm probably wrong, but I'm literally just reading what I have researched, you know? That's pretty much all I'm doing is reading what things I have researched, reading stuff from the books I have read that was written by other people, you know? And all all I'm doing is, you know, op- help trying to help people understand that symbols, we have more than... We have more than one meaning when it comes to symbols. And so I'm in this this segment with my last one. And we'll get into the animal, the most famous one, when it comes to some we'll get to some animals that's commonly used in, um, when it's used to decipher things. The butterfly, the snake, the, and the lion and the cat. So starting with the butterfly. Unlike the bee that goes from flower to flower with a great sense of purpose and attention, the butterfly seems to flutter about quite aimlessly, no great ambition lurking behind its beauty. In view of the fact that the Greek word for butterfly, psyche, is the same as that for the soul, it is interesting to know that winged creatures are universally thought to be able to communicate with other worlds and higher powers. There was a belief that human souls incarnated into butterflies between lifetimes. The connection between the spirit and the butterfly reaches across the world, from the Celts who believed that the butterfly was a human soul in search of a mother, to the Aztecs who believed that the last breath and exhale by a dying person took the form of a butterfly. The life cycle of the butterfly is highly visible at every stage, making it symbolism of transformation. Some Native Americans, particularly the Blackfoot, believe that the butterfly brings dreams. If a Blackfoot Indian paints a butterfly onto the wall of a tribal lodge, it is an indicator that any other patterns painted or drawn there were not simply the work of a man alone, but were inspired by the great spirit for whom the painter acted merely as a conduit. Um, the butterfly is also is used to explain like sort of chaos theory like if your butterfly flaps its wings in one part of the globe something else happens like you see it in the movie the butterfly effect or in the video video game until dawn it uses the butterfly effect um within the conspiracy theory world the butterfly is sort of used as a symbol of mk ultra programming so when you see um these conspiracy theories um decipher movies or um video um video games books well, well, mostly video game, not well, well, mostly movies, music videos, and of course, um, you know, people that do, you know, magazines and stuff. And it's used as um, used to see butterflies. It's you. It's supposed to be used as um, a sign of MK Ultra. It's supposed to re- represent, as they said, the butterfly is a symbol for the psyche or the human soul. Is a breaking of the psyche, this sort of way, especially when they start using mirrors. Um, the cat, even the most common household m- moggy, what the heck is a moggy? <laughs> moggy has a mystic about it and the potential for the supernatural power that man has ascribed to cats for thousands of years. Typically in Western civilizations, the cat, particularly if it is black, belongs to the witch. It is her familiar, her companion, and her alter ego. As such, the cat shares magical secrets and arcane knowledge, which, of course, she cannot explain to mere mortals, since they don't speak her language. There is an unspoken communication between the witch and her grimkin that transcends any language used by other creatures. The ancient Egyptians regarded the cat so highly that they referred to it as a deity. Bass was the cat goddess, and mortal cats whose fur was of three different colors or whose eyes had different had eyes of different shades were honored in particular for their bass-like appearance. It is not just the black cat that holds power. 
Egyptian priests believed that cats carried the magnetic forces of nature and so close proximity to the creatures enabled them to access these powers. If a cat died a natural death in a home, the Egyptians would shave their eyebrows in a sign of mourning. However, the cat does not have such an honorable reputation everywhere. For example, in the Buddhist tradition, because it was absent at the physical death and spiritual liberation of the Buddha, it is viewed with suspicion as a base earthly creature, lacking respect. The only other creature that was not there was the serpent. The link between the cat and the serpent comes in the Kabbalah too, and also in Christianity. In pictures where the cat appears at the feet of Christ, it carries the same negative imagery as, as a snake. Although black cats are the archetypal, archetypal good luck symbol in the West, in Islam the opposite is true. Cats are regarded favorably unless they are black, in which case they are viewed with great suspicion since jinn can transform themselves into black cats. In the Western tradition of cat lore, the animal has nine lives, whereas in East, whereas its eastern cousin it has to manage with only seven. And the numbers of nine and si- and the numbers nine and six, nine, six, and seven, I will definitely discuss those as well. And to end this, I will discuss the goat and the goat, the lamb, the lion, and the snake. I will end it out with. So, let's get it. Let's go. The goat. Horny in all senses of the word, the goat is arguably the most infamous as a symbol of lust and procreation. A repetition gained in no small part from the influence of the so-called god of Mendes, sometimes called Baphomet, in ancient Egypt. This powerful deity was worshipped in a way that involved slaves copulating with goats, who... In a ritual intended to honor the procreative power of the na- of nature. Um, couldn't you just have a man put some horns in his head like you got the cat ears nowadays that women have? You couldn't just like do that and we would do the, the whole goat thing. This Egyptian god was identified by the Greeks as Pan, the god of nature, who sometimes who sometimes wore goat skins. Later for Christians who were keen to demonize any trace of old pagan religions. The goat became the personification of the devil. Romans too saw the goat as a symbol of lavaciousness and fertility. Barren women were advised to have sexual congress with goats or to alternatively have their backs whipped with the skin of a sacred goat cut into... You know what? No. 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 (laughs) I'm so glad fertility ways have changed with modern times. I am so glad. Imagine if you had to do that nowadays to, to make sure you have a baby. Baby, I need you to sleep with this goat. Huh? I'm pretty, pretty sure I bet you a bunch of women will be like, you know what, we don't need children. <laughs> that was the option to get themselves pregnant. Then we have a bunch of women like, you know what, I don't need no children. We could just adopt. <laughs> this, ritual was, this ritual was believed to purify the woman and may have even inspired the name of the festival during which it was performed. Lupercalia? Possibly from... Oh my god, I, I'm gonna have to learn Latin. Lura per cap, lucre, lure per caprum, meaning to purify, meaning to purify by means of the goat. Finally, what of the scapegoat? The first mention of it occurs in the Old Testament. A ritual involved two goats. One was set free, and the other sacrificed. The liberated goat, however, was laden with the sins of the people and sent out into the desert to perish. Its death often hastened, hastened by its being pushed over a cliff. The name of this cliff. Azazel, the goat that departs, also was the name of the demon. 
The concept of the scapegoat exists today as a term for someone who takes on the blame for the wrongdoings of others. The Lamb It might seem odd that the adult version of the lamb, the sheep, carries quite negative symbolism, as a creature that blindly runs with the flock, unable to think as an individual. However, the lamb is a much more positive symbol. It stands for innocence and purity, the the spiritual, the the compliant, and the gentleness. Further, the lamb is a symbol of spring, a a new hope, and of triumph over adversity. The first lamb of the season, as the most potent personification of these qualities, was usually sacrificed to the gods. The sacrificial nature of the lamb carries resonance through the Christian, Jewish, and Muslim faiths, hence the symbolism of Christ as, of Christ as the Lamb of God. Sacrifice, sacrifice for all mankind was resurrected by a beneficent God. There is a specific symbol, the Paschal Lamb, which perfectly embodies this notion. The lamb appears with a halo and a banner, symbolizing both sanctity and victory. The lamb is also a symbol of peace, where it appears with the dove. This aspect is compounded. Sometimes the lamb and the lion appear together, a universal symbol of concord and harmony and the balancing of opposites. The lion. One of the most powerful animals and appropriately laden laden with rich symbolic meaning, the lion, synonymous with the sun, and as such is the best personified as Leo, the zodiac sign that has the great golden star as its ruler, the lion even looks like the sun, with its tawny coat and shaggy golden mane. The lion is a totem animal of the kings and emperors, of Apollo, of Mithras, of Christ, of Krishna, of the Buddha. Its counterpart, the eagle, is called the lion of the skies. Christ is known as the lion of Judah, Muhammad's son-in-law, Ali, who acted as a mediator between the prophet and the people, was called the lion of Allah. Krishna is known as the lion among the wild creatures, and Buddha is the lion of the sh- Shakras? The lion with a shaggy halo of mane might seem to be the ultimate personification of male energy. However, there are female deities who share the attributes of the lion, and the lioness is a firstly protective mother. Hathor, the the Egyptian goddess, has the head of a lion when she appears in the aspect of the destroyer. Sybil, the Phrygian mother earth, rides in a chariot pulled by lions, and the lion as well as the bee was sacred to her. There is a negative side, however, to the great power of the lion. It's no accident that the collective noun for a group of lions is a pride. And the sin of pride is said to be the negative aspect of the zodiac of sign of Leo. Furthermore, power can lead to corruption unless there is an awareness of moral and ethical values. The male lion can also be a symbol of laziness, and it is a well-known fact that the lioness is the one who does the majority of the hunting and the cub care. And lastly... The snake. The serpent. Lying on his belly close to the earth, limbless, hairless, and cold-blooded, the snake represents the opposite end of the scale to the loftier spiritual heights to which man aspires. The snake, or the serpent, is arguably one of the most prominent animal symbols and carries with it diverse and contradictory meanings. Contradictory meanings. Some of these contradictory messages include the serpent as a symbol of evil, but also of healing powers, of cunning, and of wisdom. As a life form that is so based that it must be capable of reaching the greatest of spiritual heights, the serpent is considered, unsurprisingly, to be a phallic symbol. Yet it is also one of the oldest emblems of female power, seen, for example, held in the hands of the priestess on Gnosis as a symbol of their wisdom and power. This image brings to mind the latter-day snake handlers of certain charismatic churches in the United States who believe that so long as they have faith, then the snake will not bite them. 
The dichotomy of the serpent symbol is aborted in the story of Adam and Eve. Demonized as, in, demonized as an evil influence, or as the devil himself, that persuades Eve to offer the forbidden fruit of knowledge to Adam. This fruit nevertheless contains knowledge, and in eating it, the pair open their eyes to a wider world. As a phallic symbol, the snake also makes Adam and Eve aware of their own sexuality, and the first thing they do after they realize, after this realization, is to cover their genitals. And when God, you know, comes into the garden, he says, Who told you you were naked? The serpent is a symbol of regeneration, reincarnation, and of healing powers. Evidence of the godlike stat status of the snake is to the Native Americans, too. There's evidence in structures such as the thousand-year-old serpent mound in Ohio. To Native Americans, the snake was a dangerous creature, which deserved respect at the same time as suspicion. In fact, such was the reputation of a snake for telling lies and weaving the seat that the forked, forked tongue of the creature was adopted as a description fitting to untrustworthy people, namely the white man. So that is pretty much all for this segment. In the next segment, I will be talking about um, the angel, the demon. And I will be talking about some very important numbers that is also seen. And then I will end my society podcast on secret societies and their symbols. If you guys have any questions, you can reach me Thursday. Um, every Tuesday and Thursday because I will be able to take in calls but again this is just very interesting to read I mean when you start looking at stuff it's just very fascinating you know see you guys for the next time hello guys this is I'm here with Saf, um, this is Safa Marshall I'm here with more symbolisms and I've kind of got a little carried away with some of these things, but I figured everything is important to know because you, when you go into these conspiracy theories, there's so much that I discussed, and I'm trying to do as best as I can to explain some of the stuff I've normally seen and some of the stuff that always comes up in their deciphering of, you know, I'm trying to cover the plan of the Illuminati and their new horror order. So, you know, I feel like. You know, I want to try to cover all my bases. So if I tend to go on a little bit on a bit long, I'm very sorry. So next, I will discuss animals, well, fantastical or mythical creatures. First, I'm gonna start off with the angel. The antiquity of angels is well established. Their existence describes described long before the Old Testament was written, and certainly long before the coming in Christianity. The first creatures that resemble anything like angels we know today are from the ancient. Akkadian culture dating back to 2350 BC. It is likely that the angel concept existed even earlier than this, though. The history of angelic beings is difficult to pin down. The single most comprehensive and exhaustive writing on the subject is by a somewhat nubilist figure called Pseudo Dionysius the Aeropagate, who listed the groupings of angels that are still commonly accepted today in a book written in the 6th century AD called The Celestial Hierarchy. Both pseudo-Dionysus and the Bible agree that the multitude of angels is immense. It's an immense number being mentioned in the Bible as a, mon as a mind-boggling a thousands, thousands. Angels ministered unto him and ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him, Daniel 7.10. The notion that each person has his own guardian angel is an ancient one. 
This is a comforting idea, especially for children. This is not, however, mentioned as such in the Bible, although it does claim that each one of the faithful is held by an angel that will protect and guide him throughout his life. It appears that the angel archetype is such a potent symbol that it exists in our collective consciousness, whether or not we believe in any kind of God. The demon. The idea of a creature that is personification of evil forces is ancient. There are incantations designed to repel demons that date back as far as the first millennium BC, although they are not referred to as such. Essentially, in a world that is comprised of opposing forces, there must be a balance of male, female, black and white, good and bad. It makes sense that we need, a for that we need there to be a shadow side to good forces. Although the demon, as it is commonly accepted today, is seen as to be a malicious and ungodly creature that is the epitome of evil, the word originally meant something rather different. The Greek word daemon was a divine being with his own energies and powers. Each person has such an aspect to their soul which was connected to the great spirit and could be responsible for sudden flashes of inspiration or enlightenment. Literally, their genius places too had their demons. Represented, for example, in the spirits of the elements, the salamander, the sylphs, the nymphs, and the undines. Philip Pullman, his Dark Materials trilogy, uses the notion of this familiar spirit in a beautiful and memorial way. Many of the pre-Christian deities of all nations had these creative demon-like qualities. However, these ancient entities, if not absorbed and renamed, if not absorbed and renamed as saints, were heavily discredited by the early church and made into evil entities and the efforts to replace the old pagan gods with the one patriarchal god of the Christian faith. To demonize something or someone is to represent as a demon, i.e. to discredit or contaminate in some way. Lilith, the first wife of Adam, is commonly described as an arch demoness. Lilith already existed in a different form as the ancient goddess Astarte, who is connected to Venus or Aphrodite. But Lilith's refusal to adopt the missionary position, among other things, meant that she was cast out and replaced with seemingly much more compliant Eve. Therefore, Lilith was accused of all sorts of diabolic misdemeanors. Psychology speaking, the demon has come to symbolize the difficult part of the personality or the psyche that a person has come to terms with in order to achieve balance and a peace of mind. So, and also, I definitely, definitely want to get more into that whole Lilith thing. Because besides of what I could find mostly on the internet, there is no, that's not much I could find on Lilith in terms of her being the first wife of Adam as, as you know, as we, as, as commonly been going around. So that is definitely something else I would definitely want to look into. Definitely want to look into that one. So now I will discuss numbers. Oh, wait, wait I got one more to do. The owl. How could I forget the most precious of precious creatures? Now, my mama loves owls. She loves them. I mean, when you see owls, I mean, they're they're pretty, pretty creatures. Like, have you ever seen, like, just, like, go to YouTube and type in owl. You'll see how pretty they are. You'll be like, oh, my God, they are so cute. They are so adorable. And because my eyes are slightly big, my mama always calls me an owl. I'm just like, really? I am not an owl. But because my eyes are slightly big, so she calls me an owl. So yeah, so we're going to get to the nice little symbolism that is the owl. So the owl. The Italian word for owl, strix or strega, strega also means witch. Now that is interesting to know. Hmm. And this provides a heavy hint about one aspect of the bird's symbolic meaning. 
Because the owl is nocturnal, which means that it has access to covered information, occult knowledge, and secrets. It is because of this reason that the little owl is attributed of the goddess of wisdom, Athena or Minerva, and also explains its appearance perched on top of a stack of books as a symbol of knowledge. The idea that the owl has access to information denied mere mortals is further underlined by the fact that the bird can swivel its head an astonishing 270 degrees, quite literally. The bird can see behind itself. Its huge eyes add, add to its wise reputation. The lengths with witchcraft and witchery also become part of some of the owl's habits. It lives, solitary, it lives a solitary existence, only coming together to breed and usually separating again once the juvenile owls have found the nest. An efficient hunter, the owl's features are particularly adapted so that its flight is silent, and the bird is able to take ten times the amount of small rodents in one night than a cat. Its killings are often accompanied by unearthly screeching, with superstitious, with superstitious country dwellers attributed to supernatural causes. The owl is a symbol of the feminine, the moon, and the prophecy. The moon, acting as a mirror of the sun, is itself symbolic of clairvoyant powers, another gift of witches. This gift of second sight, though, generally brings gloomy news, and everywhere in the shriek of an owl in the night presages death. The owl has other unfortunate symbolism connected with it, since it chooses derelict buildings in which to make its home. The bird is associated with destructive and decay. The owl is also a companion of the infamous witch queen Hecate, goddess of the underworld. The belief that the owl could come and go between the lands of the living and the dead was not restricted to the Romans and the Britons. The same belief exists for the Native Americans, for Africans in China and in Japan and in India, where the god of death, Yama, is shown with an owl. The owl is a psychopomp, able to guide the souls of the deceased into the afterlife. And finally, to end all this, I will be discussing some numbers. Because, you know, when it comes to numbers, we lose our minds up in here, up in here. So, <clears throat> six, I will discuss six, and of course the number 666, and of course the numbers but I can actually talk about all of them because all of them are very important but I forgot like these like the big are the biggest ones you know so starting with number six or should I start with number five you know what I'm gonna start with five didn't do the six the seven then of course six 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 starting with number five now things start to get even more exciting the dots set up the dots set up to five if placed symmetrically give the potent potential for a five-pointed star pentagram or for a five-sided shape a pentagon the five like the three is constructed from adding an odd number three to an even one two thus blending male with female the pentagram itself is a mystical symbol that also holds within it all the qualities of the five five is the number of balance its central dot acts as a pivot for the two on the other on either side it is also the numerical Numerical symbol of a human being, which forms the five-pointed star shape, which when legs and arms are outstretched, as in Leonardo da Vinci's um, Leonardo's um, famous drawing of the Victorian man. In the Western world, there are four elements, but in the East, there is a fifth or a quintessence that binds them all together, called ether. Alchemists indicate this with a five, 
petaled rose in the center of a cross, redolent of the rose cross lemon. The Pythagoreans held the held that the pentagram or the pentad was a sacred symbol of health, vitality, and light. The holy number ten is divided equally into two parts by the pentad, which also symbolizes the triumph of spirit over matter. In the tarot, five is the number of the hierophant or the pope who represents the face of God on earth. Six. Six was described by Pagathorus as a perfect number because one plus two plus three equals six. Also, one times two times three equals six. God created the world in six days. The herald was called the form of forms and the maker of the soul because the harmony of his arrangements was said to symbolize the harmony inherent within the soul. Because the equally balanced triangles, the two groups of three that comprise the number six is the symbol of marriage. Six is dedicated to Venus as the goddess of love, but seems to have no connection with the spiritual nature of love or with the creator. However, the number six gives us the, mo gives us the tools we need to make the most powerful of magical signs, the Star of David, which is the embodiment of the phrase, as above, so below. Because six can be split into two groups of three, it is seen as the number that can go either way and is as lively to be evil as much as it is to be good. It is this precarious balance that crops up time and time again and examining the symbolism of the number. The symbol for six itself has ambivalence. 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 I'm so sorry that I had um, a friend was calling me, had to put on, tell her to put on hold. Okay, what was that? Flip it the other way around and it becomes, a, it becomes a nine. Six is the number of marriage of opposites, an image and its reflection making up the whole. In the tarot, six is the, number of the card, is the number of the card called the lover and shows a young man at a crossroads trying to decide between two girls of equal merit. Although Cupid hovers in the background, bow and arrow at the ready, re, uh, at the ready about to make the decision for him, the image demonstrates perfectly the dilemma that belongs to number six. The witch's curse or hex is so-called because six represented the number of copulation, the union of the triple goddess with her mate. The word itself was originally a derivation of the word hag. The Egyptian hieroglyph for six shows male and female genitalia underlining the six sexual connotations for this number. For them, three was the number of the goddess and six meant her union with the god. The fairy tale command open sesame is actually a Sufi love charm and sesame has been corrupted from sheshuma, the Egyptian word for intercourse. The symbolic cave that needs to be opened is the female genitalia or the yoni. Early Christian authorities deemed six as the number of sin because of the associations with physical love. Seven. The number seven is very busy. It seems to be everywhere. The Sumerians and Babylonians identified the seven days in a week and the number of the traditional planets that give us much of our mythology is seven. There are seven deadly sins, which are balanced by seven cardinal virtues. There are seven orders of angels, seven colors in the rainbow, seven pure notes in the detonic scale. Seven gives a pivotal point to the indecision of the number six, rendering it satisfyingly complete and whole. Very on and on, it seems that the number was given special status as a number of completeness and perfection. For the ancient Egyptians, seven was the number of eternal life. Legend has it that the prophet Muhammad, when in Jerusalem, ascended into the seven heavens and came into contact with the divine. And so the dome of the rock mosque was separate into seven sections to honor this. 
experience. Pilgrims make seven circumna- circumnavigations of Mecca. The Pagathorians called seven the Septad and said that it was worthy of veneration. It was both the number of religion because of the seven celestial spirits related to the seven planets and the number of life. The Septad, the three, comprising of the mind, spirit, and soul meets the Tetrad, or four, which is the number of the world. Therefore, resulting, the, therefore, the resulting seven represents the mystic number of man as is symbolized by the three-dimensional shape of the cube. Six sides with the seventh element, the space inside. The side of the cube represents the directions, the cardinal points plus above and below with the man at the center. The phase of the moon lasts for, lasts for 28 days, which is four times seven. Happily, one plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six plus seven equals 28. God created the world in six days, reserving the seventh to rest. Therefore, seventh day is a holy day or holiday. This relaxation time also connects God with man, proving that even a deity needs a break now and then. There are seven alchemical operations, calculation, dissolution, separation, conjunction, formation, distillation, and coagulation. In the tarot, the number seven card is the chariot. The card depicts a young man, a king, and a chariot driven by two horses. This young man knows where he is going and is full of determination. And now we will discuss number 666. 666, the number of the beast. Do you suffer from, I'm like, oh my God, who comes up with these words? Hex, so, co, soy, hex, whatever, phobia. If so, you feel the number 666. Why you couldn't, they, 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 I'm going to need them to rewrite this word. <laughs> If you so, you feel the number 666, the so-called number of the beast. If you do, you are not alone. This series of three sixes strikes fear in the hearts of many who encounter it, even causing some people to protect themselves with the sign of the cross, although they may not be entirely sure of the reason why. The number first occurs other than as, other than as a natural phenomenon in the first book of Kings in the Old Testament and refers to the amount of wealth that came to King Solomon possibly because of the, his partnership with the Queen of Sheba. However, much of the superstition associated with this number stems from a chapter in the New Testament book of Revelation. Here quoted from the King James Version. Here is wisdom. Let him, ha- let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Since then, there have been many theories about to whom and or what this description refers. For Christians, it has come to represent a catch-all idea of an antichrist, a title conferred at different times to various enemies of the Christian religion, including the emperors Nero and Dominician, Genghis Khan, Napoleon, and Hitler. Even the Roman Catholic Church and its various popes have been identified as this beast. And, of course, in modern-day um, culture, presidents has actually been called the antichrist. I remember Bush was called the antichrist. Then President Obama was called the Antichrist, and now Trump is called the Antichrist. It was like, I'm pretty sure every single president we have cannot be the freaking Antichrist, but you know, whatever. Latter-day notions about the meaning of the number result in speculation that it might provide some kind of code whereby the devil will brand people in order that they will be able to buy or sell. Credit cards, barcodes, social security numbers, and microchip technology have all come under the scrutiny of conspiracy theorists with varying levels of incredible incredulity and paranoia. It is also interesting to note that the atom of the chemical element carbon, which forms the basis of all life, 
is comprised of six neutrons, six protons, and six electrons. The satanic connotations of 666 are ambivalent in the Kabbalah. However, where it is not only the number of the solar demon Soroth, the opposite of the archangel, arch, archangel Michael, but is also regarded as a sacred number that depicts the entire universe. The devilish associations of 666 doesn't give us the true picture of this mysterious symbolic number. It is a number belonging to the Harkonthron, also known as the angel of the Didum. And in sacred geometry, it is called the magic square of the sun. This particular magic square is constructed in such a way that the first 36 numbers add up to 111 on horizontal, vertical, and diagonal squares. The entire square adds up to 666, and the number of significant significance predates the Bible. The architects of the Charters Chartres Cathedral may have known about the, the earliest significance of this number since the labyrinth there measures exactly 666 feet long. Numerically speaking, 666 add up to the number 18, which breaks down to the number 9. Given that 9 is known to be the number of man, perhaps this simple explanation is what lies behind the biblical quote. 666 refers to the material part of man, the beast rather than his spiritual aspect. See, this is everything else I want to share with you guys today before I conclude con- conclude all of this. No, I believe that's all I want to share with you guys today. But overall, I really, um, again, as I said before, we give symbols powers. They have no powers unless we give it to them. And if you want to read this for yourself, you can um, get the book if you can find it. It's called The Element Encyclopedia of Secret Signs and Symbols, The Ultimate A to Z Guide from Alchemy to the Zodiac. It's written by Adele Nozadar. And I got this book in Walmart. It was not only this book, but it was also another one by the same person. Nope, no, they were all by different people. Um, you also have the Elements Encyclopedia of Secret Societies um, by John Michael Greer. There's also one on hauntings in America, and there's another one on Native America. So it was like four books total. But all I got myself was the one on the Secret Societies and Symbols and the Native American ones, because I was not going to read one about hauntings, because I'm not going to visit the haunted house anyway, because why would I do something that stupid? But anyway, when it comes to conspiracy theories, it's just like, what? It's just... It's just how much people think of what goes on in society. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna say our government is like a hundred percent perfect. No, because as we know, like there's many aspects in our society that needs changing from our uh, criminal justice system, from our criminal justice system to to to, to a bunch of other stuff, but. To say that the government is, to say that this group that existed back when NF was disbanded, whose original intentions was to use more science and logic than just go clearly on face and say this uh, society eventually, you know, was like, hey, you know what, let's rule the world. You got to do. And now they just work using the government as puppets and, um, and they're using celebrities essentially as puppets to 
control the masses to keep us stupid, to keep us dumb. It's kind of weird because if those people, let's okay, let's say the Illuminati is real. Do you really think they want, you think, really think celebrities like Beyonce, Taylor Swift will actually be part of this secret society? Do you, do you, like, seriously, think about it. Do you really think they will be part of a, this, this type of society? I seriously doubt it. And I think for mo- majority of celebrities, I think because they know that the whole Illuminati New World Order thing is such a big thing amongst people, I think they purposely put it in their videos so people could talk about it. Because you got to think about it. Celebrities, they have to keep themselves famous. How you keep yourself famous? You got to keep yourself in the news. You got to keep yourself in the paper. You got to keep yourself on social media. Why you think Kim Kardashian, for example, Kim Kardashian, this woman has shown no other talent than showing herself being naked. She has not shown us she could sing. She has not really shown us she Because I've seen her acting. I think she did what, do what, two movies? It's alright. She, she is not like, I'm going to give this woman a, um, an Oscar. But other than that, she really has not shown us any talent worth. People be like, oh my God, Kim, Karta- Kim Kardashian is such a talented young woman. I love what she does. She's not really showing us any talent. What keeps her in the media is the fact that, one, she tweets about where she's going. So the paparazzi can make sure they're there at the airports because that's how paparazzi be paid when they follow celebrities. And, of course, she posts herself on Instagram. Majority of the time, she's nude. And we and a lot of women are like, yeah, female power. No, that's literally her talent. It's showing her body. And once she gets old, what what else will Kim Kardashian have? Because I'm pretty sure nobody wants to want to see a 90, um, 85-year-old body of Kim Kardashian. Trust me. Nobody's going to want to see that. So I'm pretty sure majority of celebrities is using this whole Illuminati New World conspiracy thing to keep people talking about it. Because you got to keep people... To keep yourself famous, you got to keep people talking about you. So that's essentially what I looked at. Um, I think I'm going to have one more segment, and I kind of will go into a little bit more into some of these theories that they have, like the MK Ultra, the Denver Airport, um, the chemtrails, and a little bit of that. And I think that will be ending my society podcast with that. That will be my last segment. So tune in for that. And we'll see you guys next time. Again, you can um, contact me on Thursdays. Tuesdays or Thursdays, if you want to discuss anything about secret societies, if you have any questions, anything you want to ask me. So, I'll see you guys next time. Bye. It's got my mind.